0: Welcome to this latest episode of Comeback. My guest today is from Denmark, currently living in Vietnam, and it is Jonas Torsea. He is involved in fitness, movement, and more, and I'm looking forward to dissecting more of these topics in this conversation. Jonas, how are you?
1: I'm very good, and thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and you've done quite a lot in Vietnam, right? You've been here two and a half years, and you've been heavily involved in fitness, etc.
1: Yeah, I I moved here in uh, August 2019, and right when I moved here, the the thing I knew that I would do when I moved here was working at a Korean language center, and that was mainly because one of my friends lived here before, Mm. and uh, she knew that I wanted to go abroad to to work and and do my thing, so she put me in contact with this Korean language center, so that's where I started, and then after a while living here, it just uh, developed slowly, so I started teaching teams of kids gymnastics started to have some private clients and yeah so so it has it has grown in the time I've been here yeah and really
0: nice. it's been a bit chaotic right because we've had yeah. not only the pandemic but then it also hit vietnam really strong the last 4 or 5 months how did you deal with that with those challenges corona based
1: yeah it was a very weird situation you also know because we've been here almost the same time yeah. right? and just being abroad like that and then all of a sudden hearing that there is a pandemic and we don't really know what is a pandemic, what, yeah. what, what are the consequences, right? So I think it was a very good chance to, to like re-adapt and um, also build your resilience in a way, right? To, to learn how to deal with it because there are many reasons to, to freak out and get anxious like that, right? But I, I dealt with it that I, I was just sticking to my, to my different routines Workout, reading, um, talking to people back home, doing my online my online teaching, both gymnastics and English. Um, so just trying to stay sane on a regular basis. like Make yeah. sure that I have some things so you don't end up uh, watching Netflix all day, right? Because yeah, it's yeah. easy to fall into the, the couch. Yeah.
0: That's why I thought it's so important to go back to old school, pen and paper, where I would genuinely sit down with a diary like this and write like seven till eight, I will meditate. Eight till nine, I will read. Otherwise,
1: I would just... <laughs> so now right yeah. because you just get into this weird flow, I do understand why prisoners they all of a sudden want to go back into prison when they've been there for a while right because yep. uh, there's not really any um, um, people don't expect anything from them right and they don't really structure their own daily routine and they just know they wake up they are inside all day long right it's a little bit the same with lockdown right you know mm-hmm. you're in your apartment you can basically do whatever you want so you have to be it's a good time to practice self-discipline, Absolutely. in a way, yeah. which can be very challenging, yeah, for everyone, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah, and we are going to move more into self-discipline and those areas. But firstly, what I like to do at the start is just get a bit of background about the guest is in their home country. And mm-hmm. you are my first ever Danish guest. Oh, So yes. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've met several people from Denmark for the last few years. And okay. there are these connotations that it's the world's happiest country or it's quite high on the scale. Yeah, that, that's, that's what they say at least, right? Yeah, I feel sure. it's a
1: very, uh, yeah, it's a very in general happy country, I would say. I don't know if it's the, the happiest country, but also yeah. I don't know how it necessarily works in other countries, but I can imagine that it's one of the happiest countries because of the, the whole vibe. Are you familiar with the term hygge?
0: Yeah, I believe I've heard it, but I don't know what it means.
1: It's, it's um, I think the closest word to it in English would be like cozy. Okay. You know, it's feeling of being comfortable, feeling cozy, everything. And it's just a big part of the whole Danish culture that we want things to uh, to be heated. We want it to be cozy, we want it to be comfortable, people feeling good. So I think it could have definitely something to do with that. And then also in the um, like community, the environment, from the government, there are a lot of help, mm. uh, economical help. And uh, if you're studying, then you still get a salary every month, even though you're studying. There are many different perks. Yeah. I don't know if that has...
0: I read a book I can't remember what the book's called it's a Danish phrase which you will know but I forget and it went through all of the reasons why Denmark is and it seemed to focus on the community feel things you just mentioned like helping out with salary and also exercise is it true that in Denmark obviously you're quite into exercise Mm -hmm. that exercise in Denmark is advertised from a young age is that a thing?
1: Yeah I think so I think um, um, I think well, when you say exercise, do you mean like fitness, exercise, or do you just mean sports in general? Um,
0: I'd say both, as in, we'll use the UK and US as examples where fast food is everywhere, etc., and you drive everywhere. In yeah. Denmark, is there more movement-based where you, you're encouraged to cycle, like in the Netherlands, or you're encouraged to walk and also play sports? Yeah, I suppose both, movement and sports. Is that a thing? Yeah,
1: definitely. I think, um, first of all, in Denmark, it's very, very normal to ride a bicycle. So if you go to the capital of Copenhagen, everyone is basically riding bicycles. So that's, that's like this everyday movement, which is very common. And then um, with, with workout, I think most people, they do some kind of workout. Maybe it's not the classic fitness or cardio or lifting weights. But even when you're very, very young, the kids, they start to do some kind of sports. If they don't do it in school, then they go to soccer or gymnastics. or martial arts or whatever it could be right so the whole physical aspect is quite uh, quite common in Denmark in different yeah uh, sure yeah different areas yeah
0: and in your own journey when did you first start exploring i guess fitness
1: yeah so i started quite young actually it was when i was a kid i um, i was not like the the, f- the favorite student uh, among the teachers i had quite a lot of energy so I was the kind of boy where it was difficult for me to sit still for too long. So I wanted to move, but at that time, it was not something you could, uh, you would expect could be beneficial in the future. Right? It was just this annoying boy sitting on the chair, and uh, not being able to listen for too long, not being able to, to pay too much attention for too long. So already by then I was very physically active. And then when I was, when I was uh, fourteen, thirteen, I think actually I started to do some karate. It didn't, really, it didn't really get me, right? Sure. I, I, th- I thought it was still a lot of rules, a lot of standing in a line, a lot of repetition, the same, the same. So I basically just started doing my own thing. And that's when I started to go to my garden, started to do some flips, go to YouTube, go to the garden, uh, land on my face, be like, huh, I didn't do that properly. And then go back again, check it. So I started from a quite early age to do all those things on my own. So I would say already 14 years old, Right, started to do some physical, not lifting weights and stuff. I've never been been that much into that kind of stuff. It has more been been through movement. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah and this primary. this
0: interests me. It's actually why I wanted to chat with you for the pod. Nice. Is um we mentioned London Real just before we recorded. There's a guy on there called Edo Portal Are you familiar with that guy?
1: I've heard that name before. I'm not. I'm not hundred percent familiar.
0: Cool. On. He's. I think the word is movement expert. Now, I looked a bit more into him to see what does it mean to be an expert on movement. Because my initial view was, we all move, you know, what is the difference? Yeah, exactly. However, he kind of went into exactly what happens when you move your body, etc. And I suppose this is quite broad, but I'd like to ask you, what is movement really? As in, what are the biggest misconceptions we have about movement, as in, just move?
1: Yeah, um, so yeah, just as you say, like movement is a very wide term, right? Because yeah. we all move, we all do some kind of movement. But I would say when you, when you challenge both your mind and your physical uh, limits, your physical competences, right? Then I think it gets to the, to the real level of movement. For example, with what I do, you need to really prepare yourself mentally and know how you do the different movements, right? You you need to know it technically, and then you need to make that work together with your physical competences, right? So. I feel with with movement it's just such a wide term. So you have movement, and then you have all the different subcategories that that you yeah. can right. So mm, that's why in Denmark it's very very diverse, right? Because you say I do sports, but you can do so many different things. Not only in Denmark, of course, everywhere around the world, right? Uh, but for me, I think the the beautiful thing about it is that you make you make your mind work together with your body, and then you realize that you're capable of doing more than you thought you were, and you like make this mind muscle connection in a way, right? Yeah, so, sure. just like riding a bike. So, when I teach kids doing backflips, all that kind of stuff, it seems dangerous. But as soon as they know how to do it, then it's just it's just a part of them, and then they will never forget. Maybe their body will not be able to do it at some point anymore, but technically, they will always be able to do a backflip, like riding a bicycle. Or,
0: yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, and. I guess this is coming from someone who has never done a backflip not yet not yet maybe I'll bring you yeah I'd like to man it sounds cool that would be nice the I suppose the mental process then connecting Mm -hmm. the mind and the body to do a backflip how would
1: you do it yes so that's the thing right because the way I started I started in a bit controversial way because I just started to do it on my own and I think that's it's common with pakua athletes because it's a very in- individual sport, right? So if you do gymnastics, for example, then you will go and you will have the training, you will have the conditioning, um, the strength, everything like that. You take it like very step by step. I learned it myself, so when I'm teaching into kids, I usually always make sure that I support them so, I, so they don't get hurt in any way. And then we do it where we have some kind of soft equipment we take it like step by step the scaffolding right mm-hmm. so make sure that they, they they get to know their own body they they start to believe mm-hmm. in themselves because that also that's also the very big um, the very big step the very big progression yeah. one thing is doing it physically but actually convincing yourself that you are not gonna hurt yourself right so get out of this comfort zone that's a very very big part of it so I, I try to push them to make them come out of the comfort zone so they can realize that they're capable to do more than they thought, but also make sure to do it in the beginning so they don't hurt themselves and they don't get bad experience to start with because then it will scare them more later on.
0: Yeah, of course. And in your very early stages, Mm -hmm. which was probably a while ago, what were you going through? Were you frustrated? Were you thinking, oh, I'll never begin to do this? Were you getting doubts? What were the initial, I suppose, difficulties when you started out with this movement practice, backflips, but also more advanced?
1: I will say that in the beginning, also later on, it's always frustrating when you learn something new and you can't do it, right? You always get frustrated, you take a break, you return, and then usually it gets better, and it gets better. So it's again about the self-discipline, not letting all your frustrations and everything uh, take you down, right, or make you stop. Like, be, be persistent and be disciplined about it, right? Um, but I would say in the beginning, Yeah, in the beginning, it was this whole getting out of the comfort zone thing, right? In the beginning, I said to myself, I'm never going to do anything backwards because it just seems so impossible, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But then you, you take it step by step, then you unlock one little move or one little technique, and then we'll unlock the next one and the next one. So it's just like playing a video game, right? You get an achievement because you do this, and then you can basically unlock the next one, right? Or the next challenge, so... Yeah, in the beginning, it was just this whole thing about being scared. Yeah, sure. And and that returns again and again because the better you get, the more challenging the moves you do will get also, right? So you yeah. will all the time return to this that it's scary, but then you, you know yourself better and you know your limits and you know what you are capable of, but also most important what you're not capable of. Yeah, sure. Which is also important. And
0: what kind of habits do you have to cultivate that self discipline, to keep disciplined, keep motivated, and keep pushing through, even when it is
1: leaving that comfort zone? So I try to, um, I'm not perfect at all. It's also a struggle for me usually, but I try to make myself um, do the things that I know I have to do before I will do all the things that live more for pleasure. Right. So if I know, okay, tonight it's Friday, I want to eat a lot of food, I want to watch a movie, I want to do, then I just make sure that I've done the stuff that I have to do in terms of work, training, what routines I have. Because then I just know that I will feel better afterwards. So my, my mom, she has always said, it's like a saying we have a Danish called, first yld so nu. And it basically means, first you do the boring stuff that you don't necessarily want to do, and then you, then you can do all the pleasure, the, the pleasant yeah. things, right? So I, I, make a, I make a list, if I don't write it down, then I have a, a mental list, I make sure that I do these things as, as early as I can during the day, and then I can relax after.
0: All right, sweet. And in terms of, I suppose, a a weekly routine, do you have a set schedule? For example, your own training and training classes or clients. How does your your typical week look?
1: Um, yeah, Well, I've been in Vietnam, it's been very, very different, right? Yeah. Because then there are a few months where it's like this. I also work public school just like you. So ah, yeah. it was also three, uh, three times during the week. I would drive to District 12 in the morning, very, very early, come back, have a break. I would do... And this was for a long time, this was for almost two years. Then I would come back to my apartment, I would do some yoga, maybe call a friend or my mom at home, uh, meditate a little bit. I would drive to the language center to teach, I would go to jump arena to teach after that, and then I would come home in the evening and then I would know I have been teaching, I've done my workout, meditation, called uh, the people that I thought were necessary, and then I would chill. So, um depending on how much work i have then i just make sure i have to do this before i go to bed tonight but i don't necessarily put a time and say i have to do this in the morning or in the yeah sure yeah. so so usually usually i i am structured but also i'm a little bit how to say i'm a, i'm doing it in a little bit disorganized way because i just know i have to do this mm. and then and then i don't necessarily have to do one specific time
0: okay cool yeah. and
1: can you tell me then when you
0: transitioned from doing your own practice and getting better at your own skills, then moving into teaching others and teaching mm-hmm. classes? How did that transition work?
1: Yeah, yeah. So when I was when I was sixteen, I started to post some videos on Facebook just for fun, right? And it's not a secret when you start doing that stuff when you're younger, you want to do it for two reasons, and it's to uh, be better than the others, and uh, it's to get female attention. I think you will, you will. If you talk to athletes and stuff, that's usually their motivation in the beginning, right? Because you're young, you know. But when I was 16, I was very lucky that I had the chance to come on a on a professional parkour team called Team Geo, and it's uh, it's a Danish performance team, but also doing international projects. And I was only 16, and those guys I was I was with at that time, they were uh, 10 years and and older than me. Right, 10 years older. And, 12 years old so I became a part of this team and I saw them as big role models and I, as I told you I didn't have a I didn't have a trainer and I started to do all my stuff alone so meeting people like that was just amazing because I was used to when I was younger in my city I was the only one doing that stuff yeah uh, so I just felt I felt quite alone with it but I was also fine I had a few friends who also wanted but I felt like I was the only one dedicated to it Um. So I meet these guys and then I realized it's not only about performing and doing cool stuff, but doing workshops for kids, that was also a very big part of it. So even when I was 16, I started to teach some kids and the older I got, the more I realized that it's very, very giving. It, it, it's very, um, it just makes so much sense to teach kids. Yeah. Right? So it was already when I was 16, 17, I realized, okay, that's, uh, that, that's something that actually makes sense you can see the happiness and usually the boys and the girls who want to do that kind of stuff are kids who have some kind of diagnosis maybe ADHD or just like I probably had myself when I was younger right so I felt very quickly when I started to teach these kids uh, these kids and, uh, and teenagers that I could kind of um, um, what do you call I could I could see it from their perspective in a way right yeah the difficulties and everything so already there I, I found it incredibly motivating and that's why I kept on going, working with children with special needs and using my, using my, my, my set of skills mainly to inspire them. Yeah. Well, right? So physical activity and this whole area and aspect of children with special needs who have a little bit too much energy, I found that incredibly useful, both to catch their attention, to give them some motivation, to believe more in themselves, right? So yeah. I just find it very, very giving, meaningful.
0: Yeah, sure. And how do you find it when you have a student who at the start is quite perhaps nervous or not, or perhaps inattentive, and then you gradually, over time, teach them to do something like, and I will use the example just of a backflip, what's it like the moment where they do it and you've seen your hard work as a teacher pay off? How does that feel?
1: Yeah, yeah that's, the whole, that's the whole point why you do it, right? Because then you see those kids... And, and you see that they have a success, they have a great success, right? And you just know that this tiny success experience that will help them later on in their lives, right? They will remember that, and they will remember it in other aspects of their life. They will remember it when they're gonna learn something else. They will remember that they were able to do what they thought they were not, right? Yeah. So every time I see that, of course, I get this feeling, okay, it actually makes sense what I'm telling them. I actually teach them this but also just the fact that you give them a success experience. That's what I start to value more and more the older I get because for me at least, the older I get, I start to realize, okay, it cannot just all be about jumping, doing cool tricks and showing off. There has to be something deeper than that. And I feel when I work with, with kids and teenagers, also adults, and you see their, like the spark in their eyes when they learn something new, that's where I realize, okay, that that's, uh, it makes sense I can actually I can use it because at some point there will there will be a time where my body cannot do it anymore and then I realize okay then I have spent so many years doing this but what when my body is not capable of doing it then what and then I, I can see that okay I can still teach it without being able to do the difficult things myself right
0: yeah for sure and so. coming to Vietnam then obviously you grew up in Europe and mm-hmm. um, in their movement I suppose is quite popular. How have I suppose Asia and Vietnamese culture adapted to this way of movement that perhaps they weren't accustomed to previously? Have they adapted well? Are they initially confused? What are their reactions?
1: I think I think the reactions are a little bit like they were in Denmark seven years ago. So so I feel it's it's starting here both with something like pole dancing, calisthenics, parkour acrobatics, like more of these urban street activities, not the pole dances, but uh, calisthenics and parkour, right? they are starting to discover and realize now that that's actually a thing so I just think within the next years it will grow more and more in Vietnam but when, when I'm here now, I don't feel like there are so many other people doing, uh, doing that kind of stuff and that's also why I feel it, it makes even more sense, right, because yeah. then I can maybe share even more but I feel at this point they are they are opening their eyes towards the fact that there are many, a little more underground street activities that they can start to use, right? Yeah, sure. So yeah, yeah. so they are, very, uh, they are very motivated and very excited and very open-minded, taking it all in, right? Yeah, for real. Yeah. And
0: I guess going back to your early days then, mm-hmm. uh, just one more time, uh, what, were you, what were the reactions from, say, family, friends, colleagues, peers, when you said that you were going to pursue this more seriously, these ideas of movement? Were they ever concerned about the dangers of doing movement in a more advanced manner? Were they supportive of, supportive of you? What were their reactions?
1: Mm. Um, my mom, my dad, my sister, they have all always been incredibly supportive. Almost like, how can you be so supportive when your 14-year-old kid says, I want to jump from a roof? And they're like, yeah, go do that. Right? <laughs> yeah. But my mom, she has always been hey, be careful, be careful. But she has always been very supportive. So I think it's only my dad is like, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Right? But I think my mom, she has always been a little bit, be careful. Right? But mm, except that, then they have just been very been very supportive and yeah, sure. helped me a lot. And then when it starts to become a little bit more serious and I started meeting these other people and they saw, okay, it's not only uh, a maniac jumping around in, in the garden, but there's actually a point with it. it's actually like in the other sport, just a little bit different. Mm. Um, then I felt they got even more supportive right I see so, so I've always um, yeah I actually mainly have positive experiences with it always. Yes. also right. from friends and, and people around me which is really nice
0: yeah and I guess this question might be quite broad but I was thinking recently when I watched this Ido Portal documentary on London Real and it got me thinking that if I was to lose my ability to move and to move my body around, just to walk, run, swim, and perhaps do things like backflips, acrobatics, etc., and this lockdown also drilled this home. If we lose that ability to move, we really would miss it. So, how important, if we have a full-enabled body and we're able to use it, how important is it to take full advantage of that fact?
1: I think it's very important. Like that. That's why I. I know we're all different and we all have different interests and everything but we all people right we all have a body we all have a mind so I think it's I think it's a little bit of waste if you don't if you don't use it in any way and I don't say that people should go and jump around do dangerous stuff or anything like that if you if you feel you're getting your or using your full potential by playing tennis then you should do that you should do whatever you want there's nothing you have to do but I think it's very important to use your body it's important for your mind it's important for your health it's important for important for your general energy level and vitality I would say.
0: Yeah, sure. So
1: so what I realize that the older I get is also for me finding the balance between all these things are very important. So at this point now I like doing some strength, I like doing balance, I like doing uh functional training, um heat cardio, or something like this. I like to do a little bit of everything to have like a good balance. But that's just me. I, I know that not everyone uh has the, has the need to have uh, that much of a balance. But for me, I can feel that's what makes me more energized, more happy and everything. So it's also when I, when I work with people, uh, mainly adults or teenagers, who have never done any kind of physical activity before, then I, I find it incredibly motivating to see in the beginning how it is for them. Because if you have never done anything before, And then you you start to do it then already within the first week you can feel like massive difference right because in the beginning you can really feel this swift this uh, uh swift between not doing anything and then actually becoming physically active right and then after a while when you make it a part of your routine and a part of your daily habits then you cannot do it Like, you cannot live without it, right? Yeah, sure. So, I think it's very important. Yeah, one one book that I've
0: really enjoyed, I'm not sure if you're familiar, Atomic Habits, James Clear. Yeah, yeah, I know, yes. I didn't read it, though. I didn't read it. I highly recommend it. It's just, it hit me so much about forming that identity, where initially, if you said, yeah, you can move your body, and you're inactive, you'll think, this is nonsense, it will take me ages, but make the really small changes over 20 days or so, and 1% over time becomes a lot better after a year, I don't know the statistic, but a lot better. Yes, so it's just, yeah, becoming that identity of a moving, active person. Yes. So crucial.
1: And, and um, what do you, um, you... You read the whole book, right? Mm. You also read The Power of Habit?
0: Yes, I have actually, but a while ago.
1: Okay, that one I read. And that's also amazing. There are maybe of the same uh, points in those two books, right? Yes. As, as far as I understand. But from this Atomic Habits, what do you... Um, what was crucial for you when you read that book? What, what can you adapt from that one? Um, you read the book what were the two or three things that you found very very useful for you
0: yeah uh, I like asking, answering the questions actually mm-hmm. it's a nice change mm-hmm. but um, definitely the first thing would be identity mm-hmm. I used to think that to you couldn't if you formed a habit over time it was just a thing you were born with or not however I realised it can be an identity shift so we'll use the example of somebody who goes to the gym I used to think oh I'm not that person just the way I am then I thought, well, if I just go to the gym, even for 10 minutes for one day, and come back and do that again, say, three days in a row, so overall 30 minutes, it won't make that much difference in terms of my physical health, but it will change the way my brain works. It will wire and rewire and make being in the gym familiar. So I will then eventually associate myself with being an active gym goer. So that will be in my brain. So the first one is identity. I'd say number two is the... The habits and the cravings. I think the the four stages are, cue, craving, routine, reward. So mm-hmm. you see some, you see a donut, you want it. You have that thing in your mind of I want the donut. You pick up the donut, your craving is satisfied. Yeah, if so, you have to make it satisfying, easy, rewarding. I can't the other. Whilst flipping that with a bad habit, you have to think of the donut as fattening. You know it will not help you. You know that it's not good, and then yeah, make it difficult. Where if the donut is right in front of me, I will eat the donut because it's easy. But if the donut is in my bedroom, exactly, I have to walk there. So basically, flip them of making it easy and changing your internal state. I suppose of the object, both for good and for bad. That would be the second one, and third is the small habits, small incremental changes. I used to, so many times I've started, I've started a huge project, but I've made up. So many obstacles. This podcast.
1: But this one you ended up doing, right? I ended up doing this one, yeah.
0: And the reason why I did it is because I stopped with this perfectionist mindset where initially I said, right, I need a fancy studio. I need a celebrity guest book. Seriously. (laughs) I needed fancy equipment. I needed uh, a studio. I needed sponsorship. I needed every technical guide under the sun. So all of these things, I thought, no, I can't do it. But then I realized, what can I do? I've got a phone. Does this record? It does, yeah. Exactly, right? Who can I interview? Let's go on Facebook and see if there's anyone. And here we are, nine months later, 269 guests, I think people will. Oh, you had 269 guests? Yeah. After After how long you Nine months. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, so I just hammered it. And once I really, yeah, it was, I knew that I did have the discipline to do it once I'd started, it was just that initial block. But the block was so big, it was huge. However, once i bypassed that, it all went. So it taught me really to just do the small things. As in, yes, I only have a phone right now. Yes, I only have this, but just start it and do the really small things that will get it to that point yeah. where eventually, you'll even small things in the interview will happen. Where at the start I would really speak quickly, I would interrupt my guest unknowingly, uh, so many other things, and after a while I thought these small changes over time will make it a much better podcast. There's not one light bulb moment which will turn me into Jay Rogan. Exactly. So just.
1: And it's just so no important thing. to become aware of right? because we just have so high thoughts about ourselves like okay I want to start this project it has to be like this like this like this yeah. but what we don't see is let's take someone like Joe Rogan right we don't, we just don't remember how much struggle and work it has been for him before he, he reached a point where he's talking to Elon Musk and yeah. he's talking to all the big ones right yeah. and I think it's very important also with physical activity or whatever you choose to do if you want to read more or anything like that just do a little bit like no one says that you have to uh, Read uh, half a book every day or you have to go to the gym one and a half hour. I think I think that's like a misunderstood um, Misunderstood conception, right? Yes, definitely uh, with that. So that's also what I say to people and I talk to people who ask me How can I do this? How can I get better and I say first of all I'm not an expert, but I will tell you what I do and I always say just do a little bit do a little bit it doesn't matter right so for example during lockdown you really have to make yourself do it because no one else is telling you to right so you if you roll out a yoga mat and then you do 15 minutes of workout perfect or you do 10 minutes or you go for a walk in the neighborhood whatever it could be just to make you start creating yes. this little habit right mm-hmm. um, so so that that is very important for sure yeah
0: I'd actually shrink it where I thought of an example if I wanted to be a reader no I, I do read but if I wanted to and I read one page a day for 20 days, that is much better in habit forming than just picking up a book, reading 20 pages, and leaving it for the rest of the month. Exactly. Just that, even if it is that small, one page, one rep at the gym, one, yeah, one meter walk, literally, mm-hmm. the smaller it is over time. Consistency, that's another key that that book taught me. Being consistent, and I'm sure that's something you've found in your career so far.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, it's just funny how, how, uh, how controlled by habits we are as, as humans, right? I think it's very important that we just become aware of that because when we are aware, then we can start to make the small changes, but we, if we just walk around and we don't really pay any attention to it, then we, then we can also not change it, right? Just like you said earlier that if you have a donut in front of you, then you will eat it, probably. If you have it in there, then you're less likely to eat it. But yeah. if you don't have it in your house at all, then there is a really big chance that you will not eat it, right? So if you decide, okay, now I just want to stop uh, drinking Coke, right? If you have it in your fridge, if I have a lot of Pepsi in my fridge, I will drink it for sure, right? If I don't have it, then I'm like, okay, I don't need it. But if I get a quick moment in my head where I'm like, okay, I have a Pepsi there, then I will go and grab it, I will drink it. But if I don't, then I will not really give it so much thought, right? Yeah, sure. So so I, I I can really understand that. But yeah a little bit a little bit or for some people it it really really helps to if you want to quit something then you just quit it from one day to another yeah that can also help right it it helps for me I if I want to quit things then I tell myself from Monday I'm just not doing it anymore and then usually not always but usually then I I stick to it but if I start to do less and less and less then it's not always for me at least that efficient Mm but if I want to do new things, I want to incorporate new routines or habits into my life, then I find it very useful to do a little by little. Yeah, I guess it
0: depends on the person. And with that, we mentioned Pepsi, which brought me to a point, diet. With yeah. your training regime and your classes and mm-hmm. your overall practice, how do you keep on top of your diet? What mm-hmm. sort of things are you putting into your body?
1: Yeah, so um, I have never really been a fanatic with, with diet at all. Um, when I, was, when I was a kid, me and my sister, we, um, we could basically eat eat most of the candy that we wanted and like sweet things and cake and good food. Uh, my mom and dad have, have never been, it's only on Friday. So we have had pretty uh, free, free frames to do what we wanted in terms of that. And then when I got older, started to work out, then I started to pay a little bit more attention to what I was eating. So for the past four years, I have mainly been vegetarian. And then throughout the last year, I have been eating a little bit of chicken once in a while, some fish. Um, But I would say the one thing that I have discovered while I've been living in Vietnam that I would recommend people to try is intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Uh, That I will really recommend. And also know there's nothing that's for everyone, right? So I don't say uh, veganism is, is the number one right thing or keto or whatever it could be. Right? I think it's very, very individual what works if you want to do something for yourself. But I think uh, having a time of the day where you don't eat, for me, when I adapted to that, it gives me more energy, it gives me more strength, I feel lighter, I feel more awake. Yes, so sure. so that is the number one thing that I really, that I really do um, five to six times a week.
0: Right, okay, your intermittent fast. And how how does that work? I've never done
1: it, so I'm just curious. Maybe you should try it. Yeah, yeah. Um, You can do it many different ways, but what they say is that you should, or the most common one is that you have uh, 16 hours of fasting and then you have 8 hours of eating. And then for me, I eat 2 meals a day. So I eat lunch and I eat dinner. I stop around 9 o'clock at night, then I eat eat the last thing at 9, and then I will eat again like 1 o'clock the day after. So just this this gap in between I I don't feel hunger or anything in that time and then when I when I reach the time where I can eat then I feel hungry Mm. and I just I just feel it's just very nice for the body right because we eat so much all day long yeah so so I I think that's very very useful Mm -hmm. but also many and mainly teenage girls then they start to do because it's a fact that you lose weight but I don't say to people, I want to lose weight just fast, right? Because you also know how it works with, with younger girls. And yeah, it can be dangerous. Go- yeah, it can uh, be dangerous with getting eating disorder and stuff, right? So there are many different benefits of it, both for your brain, for your body, for your um, it's anti-aging and uh, creating new neurons, uh, neuroplasticity, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think it should be used for only losing weight right I see Be- because I don't, I don't I think there is a chance that it might get into some kind of unhealthy habit where it's just like I'm not eating yeah I see yeah
0: and let's actually touch back upon habits mm-hmm. are there two or three key habits or values for you mm-hmm. that you really hold dearly say on a daily basis to keep you on top of your game for example consistency honesty reliability what are two or three non-negotiable habits behaviours that you really buy into
1: Hmm, let me think so you mean like you mean qualities yeah. qualities that I that I work on and practice that's a bad phrase qualities okay. I always I always work on honesty I always uh, I always try to be as honest as possible both to both to people but also to myself and that's you know that's a continuous practice it's not something now I'm honest now it's perfect right it's something you always have to practice so that's definitely one thing Um, I try to I try to be as um, yeah, I try to be as, as persistent as dis- and disciplined as possible with the things I know that make me happy and the things I know that are good for me. So in the time I've been living in Vietnam, calling a friend back home or calling uh, my sister or my mom, I make sure to do that every day. So I have at least one of my good friends that I will call throughout the day and then I will call my mom basically every day. So so that's also a thing. That makes me happy because family and friends are also very important for me. So I it's just important for me to like, to maintain the connections that I find important. Yeah, sure. Um, what else? That's a good question, actually. What else do I have? Um, I, I love getting some new knowledge in one way or another. I so also try to do that every day. So if I, if I have a day where I end up not reading, then I will definitely listen to podcasts or uh, uh, listen to YouTube or anything like that. So I make sure to get some knowledge as well. Because I also feel these things, they go very well together. Then I get some more knowledge about something I have incorporated into my life. So I would not try out intermittent fasting before I have researched a lot on it. So that's also what I say to people. If they ask me, I say, I don't know. I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist. I don't know any more than you necessarily. But now I think this sounds pretty promising. So I I try to take that into my life, make it a part of it. If I feel it makes a positive difference, then I will keep doing it. And that's why I say to people, try to do it, see how it works for yourself. If it doesn't work, just stop doing it. And if it works, then you have discovered it, right? Yeah, of course. Excellent.
0: And I suppose coming to the end of the conversation, Janice, um, this question is tricky because Vietnam changes, the world changes regularly due Mm. to a pandemic and other circumstances. What would you like to achieve going forward? What are your aims perhaps for the near future?
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? It's actually funny You say it because I've always I've always had it like this that I have one achievement, and then I uh, sometimes uh, uh, achieve that, and then I'm like, what's the next thing? So I finished I finished my education as a teacher right before I went to Vietnam. So I was four years in university to become a, a teacher, and then after that, I knew I want to move abroad, and then my friend she um, she gave me the opportunity or she she enlightened me about the opportunity i thought i moved here and now i've been here for two and a half years and now i'm a little bit like hmm, what is the next right because now i'm going to go back to denmark i going to see my family have a good time but i'm not i just don't feel done here right mm-hmm. so i feel what i do now go with the flow make sure that i do things that make me happy also find meaningful i want to keep doing that i just know that i want to keep doing that but exactly where it is and what it is I'm not entirely sure but I want to travel more right um, so. and I love Asia yeah. <laughs> I just love Asia so much and it's Vietnam wonderful. is just no no not only Vietnam Ho Chi Minh is just this little paradise right yeah. weird kind of paradise vibrant ball of energy yeah exactly so many different cultures all together I
0: think when exactly. it was starting a podcast was a dream because so many different cultures like there's someone from Denmark or Singapore Thailand Switzerland France I think get them on.
1: I think it's a great idea that you have chosen this podcast because uh, no matter what happens with it, you have talked to how many? 300 people, right? Uh, almost 300. Almost Yeah, three 270,
0: but it will be 300 soon.
1: And how many, uh, how many nationalities at that
0: point? Uh, you are the 35th nationality.
1: It's, it's pretty insane, yeah. right? And how many nationalities do you think you have uh, uh, you have met while you've been there? How many? Or not met. That's very difficult, but... How many how many different nationalities do you have uh, in your group of friends, for example? Oh, gosh. It's uh, difficult.
0: Yeah, there are a few. There are at least six. I was thinking of this today, actually, that my roommates, it's Hungary, Egypt, friends mm-hmm. from England, South Africa, America, Australia, Ireland, France. Wow, yeah. I could probably name ten. I almost name ten just there. So, there are so many. And it's so such a, yeah, it's great to actually learn from. Because if I'd have stayed in England throughout my 20s, I would have just spoken to English people except for if I was on holiday two or three times a year and I'd meet someone for a week but you don't establish a connection Mm. whilst here it's so good just to meet all of these people and I'm excited to keep doing it. So I suppose final question for you Jonas, have you got a key message that you would like listeners to take away? Anything related to fitness, mindset or life indeed?
1: Yeah Um, I think if I think if you have uh, some, kind of, uh, some kind of feeling in your stomach that you want to try out something new, you want to do a podcast, or you want to move to another country, or you want to do something uh, which can seem anxiety provoking, right, and it makes you scared, oh, what if I'm going to fail, I'm going to break out of my comfort zone, what's going to happen? I would say just do it. I know that that might sound like a little bit of cliche, but you have moved abroad now, you, you know how big of a step it is to take that you're like, how, how many things can go wrong, right? But you do it anyway and now you're so happy that you did it. Yeah. And I feel, I feel with the anxieties and the doubts I have about things and myself, I realize that when I, when I face it and I just do it anyway, then 99% of the time there's a positive outcome. Yeah. And, it's, and then of course there's also a big amount of times where you fail and everything, but then you also learn from that, right? So either if you, if you fail, you succeed, whatever, then I think you should you should never hold yourself back because you are afraid of what might happen.
0: Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. It brings me to a quote. I think it's,
1: I never lose. I only win or I learn. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. And before we finish, this whole thing about learning that that's something I've I, I see it as the key, right? I don't remember who said it, but there's someone who says maybe you can tell me who it is. Uh, you can you cannot you cannot learn what you think you've already learned. I have heard it, I don't know who said it. I don't it. remember it yeah. either, but I think it's very nice because if you, th- if you think you are the most amazing at whatever you do, then you will not be open-minded to watch learning anything at all, and then you will never move and you will always be stuck in the same level, right? And that's a lot with ego and a lot with me, 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 right? So if you put that a little bit aside, and you just realize the fact that you can learn something from everyone, your students, your colleagues, whatever, then I think you you get a long way. And that's something you really practice and get used to when you live a life like this because if you are very entitled and everything, right? You will not meet people. You'll be like, uh, uh, so different. But you, you cannot be like that when you live here, right? Yeah. So so it's either you're like that and you'll have an awful time. You'll go home after a month or you adapt and you get used to all that and you learn learn a lot absolutely so, I think
0: that is a great message to end on Janice, thank you I've really thank enjoyed you. this I
1: enjoyed it too thank you